0: Live. live from New York. New York. this is the just end the suffering podcast Wait for
1: the win oh, he broke his
0: Follow me. Follow me here's your host mike, mike Phillips.
1: Phillips. What's up everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering today. I'm your host Mike Vels. The second episode of a three episode week on the podcast. We got the Sky Guys back together earlier this week. We did season two of Star Wars Rebels, give you a little breakdown of Star Wars Visions. Pete Considori is back with us today. We are talking the start of the NHL season, National Hockey League, tipping off last night. The locals in action tonight. And we're going to get it all started with Pete in just a bit. Break down the locals, break down some of the big picture storylines and more. Make sure you're in the end of the show for this week's two minute drill where I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Urban Meyer situation. And it's such a mess. It just makes you so annoyed going back to last year when you all those narratives about the Jaguars are not the problem. The Jets shouldn't be nowhere near Terrell Loss. They're an utter disaster. Well, we'll get to that at the end of the show, but we'll get it all started with the opening tip here where I talk about what to look for this year from the locals in the hockey space. Right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all
0: ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go.
1: All right, opening tip here, talking hockey. And I start off here with the three locals, and the Rangers are obviously the main team in this town. that get the most attention. The Rangers here are in a fascinating position because of the impatience of the owner last year. He fired John Davidson, Jeff Gordon, and now you have a team that's supposed to be rebuilding and getting towards the finish. Now being expected basically to at least be in the playoffs and. There was a big overreaction at the end of last season to the Tom Wilson incident where he took a cheap shot at Artemi Panarin and the Rangers didn't fight back, which obviously is a disgrace in hockey, but they feels like the Rangers spent the whole offseason emphasizing skill additions in terms of fighting skill, not exactly like skill overall players. Barkley Boudreau, they get from Tampa, they sign into a big contract. They get Ryan Reeves from Vegas to be an enforcer. He gets hurt in the preseason. Might, might not be available for this game tonight against the light against the Capitals. The big Tom Wilson revenge game. They bring in Sammy Blaze. That big trade for Paolo Bucinevic. Because look, they couldn't fit Nevis under the cap for much longer. Didn't get much worn with Blaze in a second round pick. But the thing with the Rangers is. I mean, they have so many young players poised to make leaps forward. Whether it's. The young draft picks, Alexis Lafreniere, Capocacco. Whether it's Philip Hedl, whereas it's Vitaly Kratsov finally getting some regular playing time. I think the change of coach will be big here with Gerard Gallant taking over David Quinn. And Gallant has proven he can win in places he took the expansion Vegas Knights to the Cup final. They lost there. The thing you want to see out of Gallant's tenure here with the Rangers is to get this team to focus more on getting pucks to the net. And this team has such a high level of skill on it already. With Panarin, Chris Kreider, Micah Zibanejad, all the kids we mentioned. Sometimes they get a little focused on trying to make the prettiest play possible. Where it's the, What Friends of the Podcast, Rick Carpenter, likes to call it, the fancy boy hockey. Where I had to make a stylish pass instead of just putting the puck on the net. At the end of the day, goals are goals. It doesn't matter how they're scored. You want to be on the board, get more pucks on the net, make things happen. Instead of trying to go east, west, go more north, south. The problem with the Rangers, they are in a division that is absolutely brutal. We know, we'll talk the Islanders admit a minute. The Islanders have been on the doors of the Stanley Cup Final last couple of years. You have Washington trying to make one last run of Lovetskin. The Penguins, you don't know because you have Cindy Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, both her star of the year, but they still have a talent maker run. The Carolina Hurricanes are back in the Metro this year after the one-year pandemic realignment. That's going to be a challenge because they're a team that can go to the Stanley Cup Final themselves. You have Pittsburgh, who's no joke. You have two rising young teams and the Devils and Columbus. Columbus is not as good as the Devils right now, but it's a tough spot. And in the East, where you have to get in the top for your division to get in, it's going to be very hard. Can they contend for the wild card? Sure. But then you're looking at potentially dealing with that other division. Boston, Tampa, Florida, Toronto. There's enough talent in those other divisions where you're sitting there going, this is going to be hard. They have enough they should get in the mix there. They can might be able to snail wild card, but... The big leap, I don't think it's coming yet. I think it's another year away. The Islanders, they're an interesting spot because they've been knocking on the door of the Eastern Conference Final Championship here and getting to the Stanley Cup Final. Two years in a row, have lost in the Conference Finals to Tampa Bay Lightning. Now they come back. They bring the team back. They open the new arena this year, UBS Arena down at Belmont Park. That'll be exciting for sure. The key with them is here. This is a good team. They play physical defense they limit you from scoring goals the question is always them do they have enough scoring punch in the Stanley cup playoffs you get past your tampas get past your bostons past these physical teams that can go hit for hit with them in the playoffs it hasn't been enough so far this is they made zach parisi daniel chara they their vets they have experience that will help to play roles but they're not putting this down at to the top You want to watch Lou Lamoureux here. See if at the deadline, there's disgruntled forward somewhere they can bring in here and be that goal scorer, put them on the top, like how the Kings, remember when the cup got Marion Gabrick and he became a huge lightning round in the playoffs, somebody of that ilk would be a big help for them. And for them, it's going to be, they'll be in the playoffs. What matters is what they do in the playoffs because you keep knocking on that door long enough, you have to break through or at some point start considering changes to the score and whether it's good enough to win a cup. The Devils, we know that they're still rebuilding. They have a lot of talented young pieces, where it's Jack Hughes, Nico Hischier, you name it. Addition, just Dougie Hamilton's a big move. I like him as a player. I think he'll be a valuable addition to that Devil's defense. But again, the Metro's going to kill them. The Metro is so deep. And if they finish above seven, that's a win. Because that means they top somebody's expectations. Whereas the Rangers, the Flyers, Pittsburgh. If they finish above seven, that's a huge win for them. But for them, I think you want to be in a spot where the early part of the year could be struggles, but you want to be the team that's a pain in the neck at the end of the season to be playing. You want teams to be sitting there and see the Devils coming up, especially if you're going to Newark, say, that's not a game we can just cakewalk into and win. That's going to be a fight. If the Devils are doing that, you are one step closer to getting back into that playoff hunt every year, especially as teams like Pittsburgh and Washington start coming down. You're looking more a couple year or two as the Rangers and Devils being on the way up, trying to go for the top of that division. All that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but we'll talk more hockey, go deeper into this with P. Considori right after this. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, getting ready for the start of the NHL season. The puck is dropping this week. Join me today. on my go to hockey guys on the podcast, P. Considori, is here. P., how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Listen, hockey's coming back. We're already in preseason, right? So. Uh, always a great day to talk hockey, and um, I'm very excited for the season. I'm very excited for this show. Yeah, second podcast of the week for Pete, too. We
1: used to the Sky Guys, and now we're back talking hockey. I know. My my, my lungs are going to give out here. We talk so much. Yeah, especially the Sky Guys. We tend to go on for a while, but this one I don't think will be as long. It's okay. Listen,
0: <laughs> it's hockey, I'm excited to be here. Let's go with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the last time we really talked hockey on this podcast, aside from the Islanders bit and when they were in the playoffs, was really us talking about the complete blow up at the front office here and they hired Chris jury, the new GM, they hired Gerard to the new head coach. What do you think about this?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the Chris jury thing, we spoke about it a little bit earlier this year, right. When it happened, um, you know, I, I was having this conversation with a colleague actually today about how old players becoming coaches or GMs is a weird dynamic. Right. Yeah. Um, think about like Chris jury. If he played with anyone on the Rangers, um, which I don't think he has, because this, his tenure was, I think, before the current players, especially a lot of the young ones. Like, imagine being the guy who says, "I think you deserve this much money," but you played with them like six seasons ago. I just, I think that dynamic's weird. Chris Drury, also, I think, is not a bad pick to to be some sort of front office guy. I just, I just, you know, getting rid of JD and and um, Gordon to me was just stupid i i don't they they got so many pieces they got panarin to sign with us i mean they, they got so many pieces i think dolan was just being dolan and now he has his hand on the rangers because the knicks are doing okay and you know if you want to listen to that podcast that we did a while back i'm sure mike you'll link it in the in the youtube yep um but but yeah no i mean i just i it, it'll be fine you know i think chris jury is capable i just don't i don't think they need to get rid of jd and gordon I think they could have made a, a bigger standpoint, maybe give them an ultimatum, say, Dolan, say to him, hey, listen, you know, your jobs are on the line here. You got to make something happen. I've been waiting too long for the Rangers to do well. They're supposed to be doing well. What's going on? Uh, maybe that conversation did happen behind closed doors, but it just kind of seemed very abrupt because there was no writing on the wall, at least to anyone's knowledge, that J.D. or Gordon were on the chopping block. Um, when it comes to Gerard Gallant, I'm very excited about his his, um, his plan his plan is all about work ethic, right? It's all about, we're going to fight. We're going to roll four lines, three lines of D and we're going to fight every single, single game. Now I'm not talking about fighting, like punching people. I'm talking about, we're going to work for that puck. We're going to be physical. We're going to make sure that the other team knows we're going to be there. Um, You know, we pick up Reeves and I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, but we definitely get the grit that we're looking for. I think Gerard Gallant is going to work very well with players that, need that leadership right so vegas when he came in he brought a bunch of you know group of misfits as they were saying with chips on their shoulders uh saying you know no one wanted us he was that leader to say hey let, let's show them what we could do you know you're underestimated right now let's show them what we can be and he did phenomenal uh, you know again gm didn't think you know didn't think gerard gallant was a fit after a few years of going to the playoffs and not winning I still think it was a successful career in Vegas. I I do not take that away from Gerard Grant at all. Um, I honestly think, you know, the same thing like they did to Flower, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. I think they got rid of him prematurely. But I'm not the GM. I don't know what happens behind closed doors or with players and players meetings. So, you know, I'm glad to have him as New York Ranger head coach.
1: Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to the on. I want to see if we can get them to play less as a uh, friend of the pockets, Rick Park- Carpinello calls it, less fancy boy hockey and more like straight ahead. They like to go east last year a lot. They tried to get the perfect pass to have getting pucks on the net. Hopefully that changed under Galant.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that has been a thing for years under Quinn. I mean, I, I'm not saying Quinn was preaching that, but I would see games where they're in the power play and they're trying to make the cool pass across the like, no, just shoot it. Just get it on net. Let's get let's get production here, let's get something rolling. You know, even if it's the garbage goal that comes off the goalie's pads in front of the crease, at least it's a goal. It's a point on the board. So, I, I definitely think that Giraglion style is going to work for a younger generation of player that's coming in that's new. And I think he's going to allow the older guys to play their game. I don't think that he's going to tamper with them a lot or dampen their skill set. I think he's going to say, "Okay, listen, you're going to work on my, you know, you're going to work under my system, but I'm going to let you play too. I'm not going to be on top of you every single time you're not doing something exactly as I want." So. I think it's going to be good for the Rangers. Um, I think it's definitely a a positive. Uh, I hate to see David Quinn go. I think he was a good coach. I just don't think it was working. I don't think it was the right fit. Honestly, I thought Quinn was going to go before Gordon or JD.
1: Yeah, I also think it's funny you mentioned the term earlier, like in the fighting punching sense, because for the Rangers offseason here, it felt like their entire offseason was a reaction to the Tom Wilson fight situation here. And they said, we need to get tougher. And basically, Every move they made was get tougher. Barkley Goodrow, Ryan Reeves, the trade Bushnevich for Sammy Blaise, and a couple of the other lower tier guys. Like, they seems like they all, they went completely opposite of what they were doing is they had all skill and no will. Now they went all will, and like, these guys don't really have much skill. So I think it's a weird direction to see the entire offseason based around the overreaction to one incident.
0: Well, you know what? You know what's funny. I think Barclay Goudreau does bring some skill to that line, and I think Ryan Reeves does as well. And I and I don't want to say that Ryan Reeves is the best forward out there. Obviously, there's a lot more talented when it comes to ice hockey. Um, but who knows? Maybe under a different kind of playing style, you know, maybe Gerard Gallant will understand. Like, hey, we need all four lines producing. He can be the grit, and he can also produce. I mean, Barclay Goudreau, we saw in the playoffs last year, he scored a couple goals in the Stanley Cup. Finals in the playoffs. Um, I also heard, and we can speculate if this is true or not, that this was not a Tom Wilson thing when it comes to Reeves. Um, you know, Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson had their had their spats and and that Stanley Cup final back in 2018, I believe it was when the Capitals went to play the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, that was a big rivalry between just the two of them, Wilson and Reeves. You know, some people say that, oh, we went and got Reeves because we need an answer to Wilson. I don't think Wilson's living in the Rangers' head rent-free like everyone is saying. I just think that Dolan was embarrassed when that did happen. I think the team was a little bit embarrassed when that happened. They said, we we do need some sort of grit. We have nothing, right? There's a lot of teams that are just skill-based. There's a lot of teams that have both skill and grit, the Capitals being one of those mixed teams. I think the Rangers kind of said, okay – the Tom Wilson incident did happen, but we're not worried about Tom Wilson. We're worried about having guys that can actually play the way Tom Wilson can play, or we have guys that can play a gritty game, but also maybe produce and help our other lines produce. Um, I don't know if it's an overreaction. I don't think Bush was going to get the money he deserved in New York. So I think the St. Louis trade was very good for Bush Um, I hated to see him go, but I, I don't think he was going to get the money that he did in St. Louis. So good for him. Um, but who knows? That's Sammy Blay, Goudreau, Reeves line. If they keep them together on a fourth or even third line, who knows? Maybe maybe they do something. Maybe we see, you know, 10 goals out of them this season, 20 goals. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I hope you're right here. I hope that there's more skill here, because for me, it just looks like they're all getting the, the same type of player, just like these physical third, fourth line types who don't, can't produce much offense their own. And as you, you talked about uh, Goudreau last year, you look at the line he played on in Tampa. He's not in the same kind of line here with the Rangers.
0: Right. I mean, look, you can, you can make the argument about dry style and McDavid, right? I mean, it's, it's not the same sort of line. However, if Ryan Reeves is giving Goudreau the space he needs because he's physical, maybe he scores a little bit more. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that line doesn't produce as much as they do um, on other teams, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be beneficial to the Rangers. If you're going to rely on your fourth line to do all the scoring for you, you have a problem in lines one through three. And that's not a knock at anyone that's playing on the fourth line in the NHL right now. But I'm perfectly OK with having guys that play a different kind of game on the fourth line and have like what the Rangers have three lines of guys that will produce. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the only person that you could probably look in to those lines and say, ah, I don't know, is Strom. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone else you know is going to do something. Maybe even Kreider, because sometimes Crider gets streaky. But I mean, every everyone on those lines are are looking fantastic. Um, so I have no problem with with using our fourth line for a different style of play.
1: Yeah, I think also the challenge for them is year, They are interesting with the expectations here because clearly the owner was on a different mindset than the rest of us, where where we we're saying, okay, progress rebuild to say, No, we shouldn't make the playoffs. And now they clearly look at this year and say, in their minds at least, like we should at least contend for the playoffs and probably should get in. Do you agree with that expectation bar here? I feel like, I think it's realistic if you look at some of the young guys taking leaps like Lafreniere and Kako and Vitali Kratsov and guys like that. If you're taking leaps forward with some of those guys and the guys who are here do what they're supposed to, you should be right in that mix. So I agree and I disagree.
0: And, and let me explain. I agree with everything you're saying. Lafreniere, Kapokako, uh Kreider, Panarin, Zbenejad. If everyone's rolling and cre- and making, I mean, Adam Fox, if everyone's scoring, yes, we should be a playoff team. I don't think people understand what kind of division we're in, though. We have been unfortunate that we have been in probably the best division or the best conference in hockey as of late when it comes to the NHL for the past 10 years. We have to contend with the Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals. The Philadelphia Flyers have also gotten good, okay? These are teams that are really, really, really good that are in our division that will push us down to fourth or fifth place in the division, not to mention the conference when it comes to the wild card when you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have a lot of different conference and divisional rivals that make it very difficult. For a team like the Rangers, even though they're good, to get where they have to be. Now, if the Pittsburgh Penguins take a drop or if the, the, the Flyers take a drop or the Islanders take a drop or the any of those guys, okay, yeah, I, I can say there's a realistic expectation. I think the other teams in the division have to be looked at before you can give the expectation to the team at hand. The team that we're talking about is the New York Rangers, a very young team, but also we have veterans on that team that know it takes a lot to get into the playoffs and a lot to win the Stanley Cup final because some of those guys went to the final in 2014 and lost, uh, 2014, excuse me, and lost against the Kings in overtime in game five. So you have to look at the competition to even get there first. I don't know if they're making the playoffs this year only because of the competition. Now we'll see. It doesn't look like the Flyers are in the right direction, in my opinion. But everyone else that I talked about, the Penguins, the Capitals, they're doing just fine. So we need to see how they do this season before we can kind of gauge if the Rangers are going to be an elite team in the division. I don't think the Rangers are better than the Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Islanders of the world right now, unfortunately. But I think there is still a possibility they do make it, but we have to look at those other
1: teams. Yeah. As you also mentioned, we went back to our normal division this year. So Carolina is back in the mix this year. That's a problem.
0: Carolina as well. Right. So we, we, it's all, it's almost like, you know, if we were thrown into like the Pacific division, I would say, all right, yeah, we, we have a chance, but I don't, the metropolitan, even the Atlantic, it's just very difficult. The East, you know, the East is beast. The East is the best conference right now, in my opinion, in the NHL, there's still a lot of great West teams, but, you know, the Blackhawks are not what they used to used to be. The Kings are definitely not what they used to be. Um, the Sharks had a run. They kind of fizzled out. So, same thing with the Ducks. The Ducks are not really the, they, the way they used to be. So, there's a lot of West Coast teams that are good. I just think the East Coast is better right now.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the team in the division that's probably going to be the best of the New York teams. Again, the Islanders who've gotten to the conference finals the last couple of years. And they had... Interesting, obviously, they pretty much retained a lot of the key pieces. They made a couple of low-key Lou Lamarella moves. So Lou's been a little cagey on announcing them, but like, what do you think about what they did?
0: You, you know, I I don't really have much to say about what they did. I have much to say about three defensemen that is going to turn that franchise around and keep going forward. When you look at Pulak, Pelich, and Mayfield, if they keep going in the direction that they are, that great defense is going to give that offense um, a, good, a good chance. Um, I have to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous about Barzal. I don't. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that he's just not going to produce. I think the weight of being the next John Tavares for the franchise is is kind of hitting him. I know he's not the captain, but you know he's looked at as the biggest player, and, and he produces. I'm not saying he doesn't have great seasons. I I just don't know if he can just keep it up. I don't know if he's like the John Tavares level of player. Um, Wallstrom is also another player that kind of i'm looking at right wallstrom was a pick um that was pretty high i think it was like five or six the islanders picked them in that draft and i want to see if he if he kind of goes off right i want to see if he does well um same thing with noah dobson noah dobson went like five and then wallstrom six or something like that i can have the numbers wrong but it was one right after another um those are the guys i'm looking out for i you know i'll be honest with you I don't know if it's because we came off a pandemic and we're finally getting back to like a regular season and the, and the the transfer to the ESPN deal and everything like that kind of quiet everything. I haven't really seen much news about transactions that are huge, except for like flurry going to the Chicago Blackhawks. So, and and also the Jack Eichel situation that's still continuing to gap. but like, it just seems very quiet. So I I don't have much to say about, you know, their transactions personally, but those are the, the Islanders that I, that I think we need to keep a, an eye on.
1: Yeah. I mean, the two, I feel like they've gone the route of adding, they basically attain the core and adding some experienced vets who can help like win in the playoffs. Like they brought to Daniel Chara and they brought in Zach Parisi and, yeah. but so, so,
0: so yeah, so those are two big names,
1: but Role players. Chara,
0: he's at, he's at the end of his career. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not going to be good. He's still a great player, but like, it's not like Chara when he, you know, left the Bruins for the Washington Capitals where it was like this big, oh, he's, he's not going to be a Bruin anymore. Like I don't think Char is going to make a huge difference when you're talking about Mayfield, Pulak, Pelich. I mean, even Boychuk. I mean like the, these are guys that are established with the Islanders franchise that have proven they've been playing well. And I think Char is at the end. And I, the same thing about Parisi, I hate to say it. I love Zach Parisi, even as when he was a devil, I thought he was a really good player and on the wild, I just, they're they're all coming at the end of what their career might be. I'm not really like intrigued by these moves. Yeah. You know, that- if he went from the Devils to the Islanders, oh wow, Zach Priesty in his prime, he's going to the Islanders. they that, you know, same thing with like Paul Mary, right? Paul yeah. Mary went to the Islanders from the Devils. That was huge. But I don't know.
1: I just these guys it just doesn't entice me. Yeah. These guys kind of feel like they like the NBA rain chase where they're coming onto a good team sort of uh, play roles and not be car- and not be like carrying the load.
0: Yeah, I mean with Parisi and and Zidane I don't know if they'd be role players cuz Parisi, you know, he was a skilled player. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, he was I mean, there was a lot right about him, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like it was a a Reeves situation where he's labeled as this enforcer, right? But y- you you kind of said it really well. It, it might be one of those situations where these guys are tenured so they can pretty much pick whatever team they want to be traded to and tell their GM, Hey, like you, you have to respect it here. This is where I want to go and give them a trade list. And you know, they get the Islanders or you get picked up and sign a contract with the Islanders. If you're a free agent, which I think was the, the, with, with both of them, right. Yeah. And, you no know, char, they were free agents. They picked the team probably didn't matter about a price tag because they both made their money. You know, it's not like they've been in the league only two or three years, so I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they were looking for a win.
1: Yeah. I think also at this team, I think they are still very good. The core is back. They play that style, makes them very dangerous in the playoffs. They get there. I just think if they want to get past that conference, final round, which has been where they've ran to the wall the last two years, I think Lou needs to find a way to get some, get some more scoring punch here at the trade deadline, because right now I get the cap is tough for them. because they had to make some tough choices of who to keep and who to let go. But I don't see if they have enough offense right now to, get past these elite teams in the like dealing with a Tampa again, or dealing with a Carolina potentially dealing with somebody like Washington. Like I don't think they had the firepower to get past those guys in a seven game series.
0: Well, here's the funny part, right? I'm just going to list some names off the roster. So I have it up here on my computer, right? Yeah. Barzal, Villiers, Sizikas, uh, Hang on. Nelson, Pajot, Paul, and Wallstrom. Those are your, those are your guys. Yeah, those are the ones that you're expecting scoring from. That's a good chunk of your roster. Now I'm not saying it's everyone. I'm not saying it's it's like the biggest amount you can have, but like those names are are pretty big names when it comes to scoring. Except for maybe Wallstrom because he's he's only been in the lead couple of years, right? Like John cabriel Peugeot made the Rangers look foolish and stupid in the, in the you know going to the conference finals or second round. Excuse me, uh, Kyle Palmieri, huge yeah. score, right? Bevillier and Barzal probably your best forwards right now okay nelson and anders lee i forgot even lee I, I, the, these are a lot of guys that are supposed to be scoring that's why i think Barzal can't do it all on his own and just like you said they need that scoring they might be suffering from the barry trotz curse i don't know barry trotz had a problem getting past like the second or third round so he may not be adapting. He may be a little high on his horse where he got and won the the Stanley cup that one year, but don't forget he was one of those coaches that could not make it past the second round for the longest time. Yeah. And, and trots was not going to be rehired in Washington. They only offered him the contract after he won the Stanley cup. So he was, he was going to be moved. So, or he was going to be let go, I should say. So I'm not saying it's the coach, but, that's usually the first person to go. So look at Barry Trotz this year. If they don't make it far in the playoffs, see where he goes next season.
1: Yeah, and well, let's touch the Devils quickly. I feel like the Devils are the one team in this area will never. I have never done a podcast on because they've never been relevant enough to warrant their own episode. But I will say they did get Dougie Hamilton, probably the best value of the off in terms of free agent signing. Here they have some young guys who could make a move. Apart from that, is there anything to watch for the Devils this year? So, so I want to ask you a question. Do you have the number at what Dougie Hamilton signed for? I'll look that up for you right now in terms of Dougie. Yeah,
0: because in 2021, the 2020-21 season, in 55 games play, he had 42 points. Very, very good, right? Yeah. Contract season, in my opinion, right? Yeah, He was looking to move, got a brand new contract. He's playing on a team that has been lackluster. Uh, you know, P.K. Subban is not who he was back when he was in – you know, Nashville or even Montreal, right? He's been kind of on a slow decline since, since Nashville, in my opinion. Okay. I'm looking at these other defensemen except for Ryan Graves. Nothing is really like popping out to me. So Dougie Hamilton may have that kind of weight on his shoulder as a, he's going to be a top defensive pair, no doubt. I don't know if he succeeds in, in New Jersey. PK Subban was the same caliber defenseman, in my opinion, when he was in Montreal and, and the first part of Nashville, Dougie Hamilton is not old, right? He's 28 years old. Yeah, they gave him seven for 63. Right, so seven for 60. So it, it's not like the, it's not like his 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 ego is going to be inflated by that. It's still, it's a big contract, but it's not like, you know, Jacob Truba contract or a Panarin contract. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, he's the guy to look out for in Jersey, right? You're also looking for, like, a Pavel Zaka or a Miles Wood to step up. Right. Um Jack, or, Jack you know, Hughes.
1: Going, Break yeah, going
0: through, right. We have the we have Jack Hughes. Didn't his brother get yeah. drafted? By the devils, I think. Right. So you have both Hughes brothers. I don't know if, if the other Hughes is going to be in this season. Um, probably not because he's still young, right? Um, but like Nico Heche here. Let's stay healthy, right? Um, Jesper Brat is another name that you hear uh from you know the devils that has a pretty good career um just looking through thomas tatar again i think it's one of those like probably the last team is going to be on i hate to say it um even if it's for like a few years uh i don't see like i would see the islanders and the rangers right i don't really see those guys i'm like oh you have this 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 to look out for it's, it's it's like a crap shoot to me and unfortunately except for like a big name like He hamilton
1: Subban, or or hughes yeah, that's for sure. And the Devils, again, rebuilt, working on getting things back in order here. And we'll see if this year going to take a step forward. Because, again, they're in the Metro like the Rangers and the Islanders are. So it's a very tough road for them.
0: Right. I do have to mention this, though. Um, The two goalies that will probably be starting for the Devils is Bernier and Blackwood. Blackwood apparently decided not to get vaccinated. I think there was a story on Instagram recently how he went to go get the shot, and he just kind of got up and walked away. Um not saying that vaccination status is going to hurt him in the U S. Cause I don't know if that's been mandated for the U S, but it will hurt going to Canada. Yes. So if goaltending is going to go to Blackwood and he can't play in Canada and they're, and they have a, not a heavy Canada rotation, but they play Canadian teams in Canada a little bit. If Bernier doesn't kind of show up, you, you're going to, you're going to rely on Wedgwood Schmidt or Dawes. Yeah. I don't even know who those are. So that, that might hurt the devils a little bit too is, is something that, you know, is a technicality when it comes
1: to COVID protocol, when it comes to Canada, but watch out for that as well. Yeah. I mean, this is not to the extreme of like carrier. We're not getting the shot. Not being able to play in like 41 games, to the nets, but this is something to watch.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, what seven game, eight game a season, maybe even a little more. I, I can't, I don't know what the Canada rotations are. Like, I'm sure it's, you know, you play the Winnipeg Jets once in Canada and Winnipeg Jets maybe twice at home or back and forth. But, you know, even if it's 10 games out of 82, it's not a huge amount of number, but that 10 games may make the difference at some time in the future for a wild card position.
1: Yeah, also, you also wonder with him also, again, because he said besides the Canada games, like he does give impact. Actually, I don't know if he considered a – Visiting player for going into New York City because then you have the Garden potentially where you have to be required to have a shot to go in there. So another thing to think about with the with the, with the uh, goal situation.
0: Yeah, I mean it. it I don't think uh, he applies, it was, but we're not sure. Right, I don't know how it works for the players when it comes to U.S. arenas. Like if it's per arena, if you have to be vaccinated or not. I, I would imagine I the it, NHL is smart enough to do a blanket statement for USA and Canada. Yeah, because I haven't like when. I'm trying to think of who who on the Red Wings did decide to not get vaccinated, and he was going to lose like four hundred thousand dollars in his salary. Oh man, I can't remember the name. It's a bigger name on the Red Wings, but anyway, he he opted out of of getting the vaccine. All right, that's that's your choice, fine. But he can't play in Canadian games. They didn't say anything about well, you can't play in U.S. market games that require the vaccine for fans.
1: Yeah,
0: it may be a blanket thing for like. If you're in the U.S. and you decide not to get vaccinated, you have to go through testing and everything like that. But if you're going to Canada, you have to be vaccinated.
1: Yeah, so I can see something like that happening. But let's talk about a couple other things here. We have the Kraken this year. They are here. They are have an interesting roster mix up here. We have history with Vegas where we thought they were going to be awful. They end up going to the Cup final and losing the the Capitals. I don't think that's going to happen again here. I don't think lightning's going to strike twice. But what do you think about the Seattle Kraken team?
0: You know, I. I just don't see it happening for Seattle, and it's it's nothing against the front office of Seattle or their franchise, but Vegas, I think, just had more of a fan base. And I'm not saying Seattle won't, but Vegas was like the perfect place to 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 expand to because you have so many people that haven't had sports in Vegas, finally getting a sport. And like it's a party town, it's a party city, it's a party, like everything.
1: Yeah, yeah huge home ice advantage. It,
0: it it's huge home ice advantage, but also too, like even if you're not into hockey, you're gonna go to the, the you're gonna go gamble you wanna go to a hockey game since it's here? Like, do you go to magic shows when you're in New York? No, but I'll go to a magic show when I'm in Las Vegas because Penn and Teller are there, right? So it's like There is a lot that went around Vegas' success, and I'm not trying to take it away from the coaches, the GMs, the front office, or the players. Those players had a chip on their shoulder. I think with Seattle, it was more of an opportunity, and people were ready to go to Seattle, where in Vegas, the players were not ready to be kicked off their own team, and there was more of a chip on their shoulder with Vegas. You ever notice like that was like, oh, they're a bunch of misfits. No one's saying that about the Seattle Kraken because an expansion team already happened. So now it's kind of like, I don't want to say normal, but it's it's kind of, you know, this is just the way it is. Sorry, I hit the mic. Probably got a bump there. But I I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, we'll go to Seattle to start new. I mean, like, look at Giordano. Yeah. I'm sure the Calgary Flames would have protected him if he would have said something. Yeah. You know, like, so – I think people are using Seattle as like a, as a fresh start. And I don't think they're going to have that fire in that fan base like Vegas did again, no disrespect to the Seattle fan base at all. I'm sure they have very, very passionate fans when it comes to, you know, the Mariners, um, when it comes to the Seahawks, and they'll also be passionate about their team here in the Kraken. I just think it's a little different.
1: Yeah. I also think the difference also here, I think, that these other teams learned a lot of lessons in the last expansion draft. Basically, using Mont- using Las Vegas basically a way to get rid of bad contracts, and they were making trades. So, right. arm arm Vegas all these picks, and they had the ability to go get a Mark Stone their first season and go with a Cup final. I think they learned that. Oh, we got to be careful. We can't just load Seattle up. So they were more strategic. than protecting. Them. I think that hurt Seattle in the expansion draft.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the old saying when you have two teams doing the same challenge, right? So like you ever watch like a game show and they're like, yeah. you get to pick if you want to go first. No, I don't want to go first. I want to see the other team do it so I can learn from it. Right. Yeah. So I think they definitely learned from their experience in Vegas, because I think some of the teams got screwed over and they didn't realize that's what was going to happen. Yeah. And George McPhee was just such a just an incredible hockey mind and it comes to GM. He just like he was like, okay, we're we're gonna do it this way. And they're not even know what's coming because we have every right to do this. And who's you know, who's reading up on expansion draft law, quote yeah. unquote for the NHL, more than the guys who are working the expansion draft, right? The 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 people picking. So, you know, it I think they definitely learned. And look, they got guys like Blackwell, Jordan Everly, okay. Um, you know, even if you want to go as far as Brandon Tanev, tanev Jaden Schwartz, they don't have guys that are bad. Players: Adam Larson, Giordano, Alexiak. These are guys that are are definitely really good players. Don't see that kind of fire in them like the Vegas, what Golden Knights did, though.
1: Yeah, I guess I agree with that point. Let's do a real quick. Before we get to the Cup picks here, any other storylines around the league that interest you right now? Like, give me one or two that you have your eye on besides like the locals. So, so the
0: only thing that's interesting is that from all this Jack Eichel talk, Robin Leonard has been very vocal about how Buffalo has handled some stuff. And I wish I had his tweets up right now, but I would definitely go take a look at Robert Leonard's Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast, apparently, and this is, you know, everything I'm seeing from Instagram and stuff. He's been trying to call out some stuff when it comes to the health of the players and how the Buffalo Sabres organization, I don't want to say blew them off, but handled it. Um, so Robin Leonard has been very vocal, uh, especially on spit and chicklets, that podcast. So, it might be wise to maybe take Jack Eichel's word with a grain of salt, obviously, because it's Jack Eichel and he wants out and, you know, he, he may say anything he wants to try to get a trade or whatever, but might be some sort of truth of kind of forcing people to not take care of themselves. Maybe not. Again, this is all speculation. I'm not saying this is what it is. Um, But the other thing that, you know, is going on in Buffalo is that, you know, Eichel did not pass his physical. He gets stripped of the captaincy. Uh, Duh. The guy just said he didn't want to be there. Why would he be the captain of your team? Even if he did pass his physical and you were going to force him to play, why in the world would you keep him as a captain? I don't care how big the name is. If someone says, I don't want to be here, well, well, how are you going to be a leader? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other story that kind of intrigued me. Um, A big story. Henrik Lundqvist has retired. I don't know if he's going to sign like a one-day contract to retire as a Ranger. It doesn't kind of look like that's happening. Maybe they'll announce it on that date. I think it was January 28th or February 28th.
1: I think think it was January.
0: So somewhere in there, they're going to be retiring his number. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. I don't know if anyone picked up on this, but I think this is what the Rangers are trying to do. They're going to be doing his retirement of his number when they're playing the Minnesota wild. And as we all know, Matt Zuccarello was on the Minnesota wild, a really good friend of, of Henrik Lundqvist. So I think they planned that out so that when Hank was there getting honored, that Mats would also be a part of
1: that since the Wilder in town. Yeah, it's definitely a good call. I think t- in terms of story I'm watching here, I think the pressure on the two big dogs in the West in Vegas and Colorado, who had a lot of expectations and knocked them on a cup yet. And I think if they don't get it this, year, you could see some turnover there. Plus you have a little bit of a, is this the last run here for Washington and Pittsburgh? We're both not a lot of winning I might be on the way down more pit more so pittsburgh because of all the injuries at crosby and malkin both hurt start the season i think those are the things i'm watching
0: i mean listen this this happens all the time in cycles before crosby and malkin the pittsburgh penguins were going were tanking there was just there was nothing left i mean i think there was probably if i if i'm remembering the story correctly there was there was talks of them being relocated because yep. they're just doing terrible um this is what happens when you have the super superstar players on your team and you build around them when the superstar players, and I'm not saying Crosby, Malkin, Backstrom, and and Ovechkin are not producing, but once they start getting older and you start to see the downward decline, GMs are not inclined to make the big risky moves, in my opinion, to start getting other people and mess with salary cap that way. I think GMs of the Capitals and the Penguins are looking and going, okay, we're not going to have Crosby and Malkin forever. We're not going to have Ovechkin and Backstrom forever. We, we need to make sure we save some salary so that if we do try to make a play for someone, we have the money to pay them. Yeah. And they obviously paid Ovechkin, they're paying Malkin and Crosby. They're not going to go and be overzealous, right? They're not going to go and get a Phil Kessel at his prime. They're not going to go out and get, you know, try to make a play for like a Nathan McKinnon randomly, right? So it, it, unfortunately, I think the demise of the team is the GM not making those bold moves to, to help Crosby and Malkin. Now, remember, goaltending is also very important. Who's goaltending in Pittsburgh and Washington? Like, good question. I don't even know know the names because I haven't read up on the on the new rosters. I have to be honest with you, but I I, I can't imagine the big time names. Yeah, I think Tristan Jarry's still in Pittsburgh. All right, so we have Jarry, so we know that he did have some sort of success, but not the success of Matt Murray did, and and Matt Murray was very streaky. I mean, like he that after that he just crumbled, and I don't know if that was for personal reasons or whatever, but same thing flurry left Matt Murray took over you had that run fine Braden Holt me won he left whoever took over and I for, I forget who they're on now because I think they had a couple different goalies um because Grubauer left to go to, to Colorado I uh, goaltending's key if you're not trying to go out and find that good goaltender to keep your gate your team in the game doesn't matter if you have a Crosby look look what's happening in Edmonton right Mike Smith's still the goalie over there I would assume so. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying Mike Smith is terrible. Mike Smith is not brain hold in his prime or yep. Matt Murray and flurry in his prime. You know, I'm surprised the Edmonton Oilers haven't been trying to make a play for bigger names. I mean, you have two of the best forwards in the league under contract, contract. under contract. Why aren't you out there trying to get a big time defense? Why aren't you out there talking to Brent Burns or, 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 Victor Hedman going, hey, you want to come win in Edmonton with Connor McDavid? Like, start making some moves. Like, what are you doing? Why are you sitting on the two best players? You know, yeah, you gave McDavid a lot of money. If McDavid gets more money somewhere else or less money somewhere else and he can win, he's going to go there once his contract's done or he's going to ask for a trade. And what are you going to do? Say, no, yeah. it's Connor McDavid. Yeah, You're not going to want to burn that bridge. So I don't know. I don't know what Edmonton's doing, but it just doesn't seem like they're really gung-ho on helping him out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And let's wrap up here. Let's do some cup picks here. So I'll go first because I'm not the big hockey guy like you are. Like you, I'll give you the floor to make my pick look bad at the end of this one. But I think I'm gonna kinda go a little chalky here in terms of like teams I think that are poised to make a run here and win the cup here. So I'm gonna go with a series that the NHL will not be happy about for ratings wise. I'm gonna go Colorado and Calgary, and Colorado gets the cup this year. That's my pick. I mean, Colorado and Colorado, not Calgary.
0: I was gonna say, I don't know, yeah. I don't know if Calgary I do think Colorado does make it to the cup. I think they're just they're just that close. Yeah. and I think that they stay healthy. And I think that we're gonna we're gonna see that they're healthy. Um if they obviously play their cards right and no one has like a freak accident, god forbid, knock on wood. But there's no other teams in the West that I can confidently say have an advantage over Colorado. Not even the Vegas Golden Knights. I just I agree with you 100%. In the East, I do think Carolina is a big name. The Panthers are starting to look good. They kind of had a run last year that was very promising. Are they going to go to the Stanley Cup final? Maybe not, but, like, don't sleep on the Panthers. Let's see how far they go. Um, I could definitely see Carolina going. I can also kind of see the Boston Bruins maybe making one final run with what, what they have Um, you have a lot of guys over there that are taking pay cuts to, to stay in Boston, to try to win. So they can definitely make some midseason changes that could really give them that push. I don't know if any Canadian teams are going to be pushing through here. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are still going to just choke. Unfortunately Um, Montreal Canadians, they're good, but I, that whole, can, can we just talk about, this is actually one of the stories. Can we talk about how Carolina offer sheeted Kasperi Kapanen? No, not Kapanen, Um, Kakigami. Yeah, that was wild. Like, like they just took him. <laughs> Here's the money you want, and and and, and the Montreal Canadiens are like, no, nah, we're we're not going to pay that, and just let him go. Yeah. I mean, there was some like, okay, there was some drama when they they he was a um, uh, a healthy scratch in the first couple of games. I think it was of the yeah. of the Stanley Cup final or the the playoffs, but like. What are you doing? Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, he had good numbers, I think, last year. I mean, even in the playoffs, in, in 19 games, 20 games, he had eight points. Okay, fine. But he had 20 points for someone who's, who's 21 just coming into the league in 56 games. It's not terrible. Well, who else does Montreal have? Good question. Yeah. When? That's it.
1: Yeah. What
0: are you doing? Give the guy the money for a year. Give him a bridge deal. Yeah. Give him some. Carolina trolled them bad.
1: Yeah, so, trolled them bad. So on the record officially, your cup pick is who?
0: I think Colorado is going to win. I yeah. think this is Colorado's year. I think Nathan McKinnon's hungry. I think Langascog's hungry too. I my cup prediction is the Colorado Avalanche finally breaking that seal and winning.
1: Yeah, over over who in the East?
0: Um, I'm I'm gonna go Carolina as well. I think they're the the better team, uh, out of everyone in the East. I do think the Bruins could make a play, and I also think the Islanders could make a play if they can just not have the Barry Trotz curse. You know, I, they're, they're a strong team. I hate to say it as a New York Ranger fan, but they are a strong team. And if, if they can get all of those guys that I said, right, Wallstrom, Palmieri, Peugeot, Nelson, Lee, I mean, even Leo Komarov, uh, Sezekis, Clutterbuck, Bavillier, Barzal, if they can get those guys, Josh Bailey going, that's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, they're also playing in a brand new arena, UBS arena. Okay. So they're going to finally have a home after how many years of all that crap with Barclays center and going back to Nassau Coliseum. Like they're finally going to have a stadium to go to and say, this is where we're playing all our home games might be a huge year for the Islanders. So we
1: shouldn't sleep on them as well. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fun year. Pete. Thanks all the time. really appreciate it. Four of us. You got follow, so, following on social media, keep on some of the stuff you're up to.
0: Yeah, on Twitter, PJ Considori twenty nine. A lot of retweets with the Rangers. Um, you know, find me there. Just doing a lot of stuff over there. Just
1: a lot of retweets. Just keeping you in the know how. Absolutely. Follow Pete for your hockey for your hockey takes. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks, Mike. The two minute drill. All right, two minute drill time here on the podcast. I want to talk a minute about this ridiculous Urban Meyer situation down in Jacksonville and. Things are getting ugly there pretty quick. I mean, you look at whether it's him hiring the director, player personnel, got fired for derogatory comments in the offseason, his general lack of enthusiasm for coaching the NFL. It all seems to have gotten to a head last week in Jacksonville because, remember, week four, they played Thursday night in Cincinnati. And Trevor Lawrence and the Jags lose. Earnhardt stays behind. He does not go back with the team at Jacksonville, which is very odd for an NFL coach to do. Usually that only happens if you have a significant family event, like a wedding or a funeral, or something like that. Apparently he just stayed behind to hang out in Columbus where he's a god from his time at Ohio State. This happens. He goes. And we get video of him basically... Dancing with co-eds at bars. They're grinding on him. And you're sitting there. You're a Jaguar fan. You're a Jaguar player, for that matter. And you just flew home after a bad loss. see your coach having a good old time up in Columbus. You're sitting there going, What the hell's going on out here? It's a fair question because the way he handles it not work out very well. I mean, on the return home, I mean, the Jaguars had very big issues with him. Owner Shaq Khan basically said, look, like he's got a lot of work. To do. He's got to earn our trust back. We have these reports coming out that he canceled meetings on Monday. He has position coaches to deal with it. And then he met individual position groups There, are the whole team. There are reports coming out right now that no one in that room respects Urban Meyer. Nobody. And They said he's a joke. He's lost all credibility he had. It's becoming a massive distraction to that team. They lost again on Sunday in Jacksonville against the Tennessee Titans. They're heading to London this week. 0 oh, 5, they've lost 20 straight games in the NFL, which is very hard to do. You figure just once you stumble into a win, that has not happened. And it just takes me back to, you know, a year ago, before Erin Meyer and higher by the Jaguars, before Jazz got the top pick, when the Jets were 0 13 and were in line to get Trevor Lawrence because they looked like they're going to lose all of them. And we had all the media types saying, Oh my goodness! He can't go to the Jets. We need to change the draft system. This is not fair, Trevor Lawrence. Why are bad teams rewarded for this nonsense? Remember the might, the Almighty Jeremy Shap going on outside the lines, basically saying the NFL has to change the draft mechanics because the Jets are getting Trevor Lawrence. That infuriates no end because as soon as Jacksonville got it, not a peep out of these people, not one. And Trevor Lawrence now is stuck in Jacksonville with a coach who is going nowhere fast. He's going to be out of there by the end of this year, if not sooner, because he might pull the ripcord if this team starts 0-8, 0-9. And, and, and you're sitting there you're going, this is a better situation for him than what's going on in New York. That's a better spot for him, really. This same franchise that is talking about moving to London at some point, because they can't keep their fans in there, that cycles through coaches and GMs and Burns draft picks, suck, nobody's business, that's the spot you want your potential generational quarterback to land in Jacksonville think about that for a second media and I know why they do it too because it's low-hanging fruit to go after the Jets because they are a traditional NFL lag stock whereas the Jags no one cares they're Jacksonville nobody goes to their games they are a bad football team they're a bad football franchise but the Jets how dare he go there I'm telling you right now, if you gave Charlie Lawrence true serum after what he's gone through, he'd rather be in New York right now than he would in Jacksonville. That's all he needs to know right now. It's a disaster down there. We're taking bets here on whether he lasts the season. I think the ripcord gets pulled. I think he's resigning with like three weeks left in the season and saying, you know what, this is not what I expected to be. I'm going to go back to college, save my marriage, blah, 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 blah. And just remember, when Charlie Lawrence is going through head coaches and coordinators like Candy, the media didn't want to be here. The media said the Jets were going to ruin him. Look what's happening in Jacksonville. Hopefully Lawrence is talented enough to overcome the ineptitude surrounding him, but now I took a start there. And with that, I want to end this show. I want to thank Pete Considori for hopping on the podcast to do some NHL season preview coverage here. If you want to stuff like this podcast, including my look at the season one finale of What If from Marvel, and I thought it was a fun way to land the show it took a little while, a little weird getting there, but I had fun with it. Check out the blog over justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Sovereign, your favorite podcast platforming follow episodes there. Feel free of your feedback and starring as well. It'll make the podcast even better going forward. You can also find my YouTube page, Mike Phelps, on YouTube. The video version of the chat with Pete is up on the YouTube page. well as our sky guys conversation earlier in the week that's on youtube as well again mike phillips on youtube you can also follow me on twitter at mphillips 331 that's m-p-h-i-l-i-p-s-3-3-1 that's going to do it for our second show of the week coming up next we're going to wrap up the triple header on friday we're going to have our nfl picks be joined by titan fan joe chavi get you set for week six and more until then i've a better week than seahawks fans